This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Well, good morning, 1115. Hey, it's an honor to be here with you. And as Pastor Colby just said in that video, my name is Will, and I get the opportunity to, to talk with you today, but I also get the opportunity on a weekly basis to serve here as our campus operations director. And if you're brand new here, you're like, well, that's a great title, but what does that mean? That means basically if you need something, just come find me because I can get you connected, whether it's serving on a team, uh, part of our, our groups where they're in a small group or want to get connected into one. If you want to be part of our mobile dream center and help out into the community, that's not kind of stuff will come to me as well as really any other questions that people will come up with that I just try to figure out the answer to. And so we just kind of work through it together. And so uh, that's what I get to do here full time. And it's really just an honor. And, and I'm not naive to know that being on this platform uh, is not something that a lot of people get the chance to do. But I know that Pastor Colby is, is not a one person church. He's a church that's under God. And whoever God has put on his heart to put up here, he will do so. Um, and, but, oh, you can't amen yet. I haven't told the joke. So I do agree. <laughs> I do agree with Pastor Colby that uh, I should preface this with a little bit of humor. And so uh, laugh anyways, please clap anyways, please. Because what's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? One's a little heavy and the other's a little lighter. But we're just gonna, we're gonna cut that out of the podcast. Okay, yeah. All right. So you guys had a lot of energy drinks this morning. That's good. Come on. But uh, really, we're in this series called Running With Giants. If you're brand new here, you're walking through the doors, you're like, oh, I came for the other guy. He'll be here next week, so come back. I would encourage you to do that. Um, but we're gonna have fun through this journey together. It's gonna be great. We're in this series called Running With Giants where we're, we're looking uh, at these Old Testament principles uh, of people that what they did thousands of years ago, how does that apply to us today? How does that apply to us on May 27th at 1136 here in 2018, like what does that mean to us? And this is a book by Dr. John Maxwell who wrote this book called Running With Giants and we're looking at just a few of those people that he talked about. And today we're gonna talk about Moses. But honestly, I kind of feel like I get the opportunity to run with giants every single week because I have Pastor Colby and Kristen to just underneath their leadership and serving alongside of them and it's truly just an honor to be able to have that opportunity, let alone any other opportunity that they can just continuously encourage me along with. And so to be able to run alongside them in this race, knowing that they've did so much more before I even showed up on the scene, before I came to Harding Elementary School for my very first service in Christmas of 2014, like they already had two years, almost three years of ministry underneath their wing at that point. And, and I was just showing up as the first time attender. And so this, they're not here. So if we can just really just give a huge cheer for Pastor Colby and Christian and what they do for this church. 
And uh, he hates that. And so that was just my spite to you, Colby. Sorry. But it's all good. I love you. But let's pray. God, we are so forever grateful for what you're doing in our lives. God, we know that you are faithful. We know that you're going to continuously move mountains into each and every single one of us and us as a church in this community. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, God, are acceptable to you. Give me strength in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are diving into uh, this series, and there's really a foundational scripture. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And we'll put it up on the screen. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that is, that's the giants. That's a great cloud of witnesses, people that have gone before us. That's who that is. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sins that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, it doesn't mean for us, as in all of us just have one race. We all have our own individual races. And, and that's our race, but we can use, and God has put people into our life that we can use to help us with along with our race. And we're gonna talk about that uh, towards this message. We're gonna build into that. But that's our, our, our race, and we can lean on the giants that are in our lives now. We can lean on the giants like Moses. And, and last week, we talked about Jacob. Pastor Colby delivered an incredible message about Jacob. Go listen to the podcast. And, and two weeks ago, we talked about Sarah. What, what can they teach us today? And so we're gonna dive in to this uh, scripture about Moses, and we're gonna start in Exodus chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, you're gonna pull out your version uh, Bible app. That's fantastic. If you don't have either of those, we're gonna put on the screen. So church is gonna be real easy for you this morning. But as you flip there, if you're brand new to church, you're like, well, I don't know who Moses is. Uh, well, I'll give you a quick backstory. So in, in all throughout Exodus chapter two is where this is found as well, is that Moses was born at a time that was really a terrible time to be born because Pharaoh, who was in Egypt, who's the Pharaoh over Egypt, um, wanted to kill all the newborn baby Hebrew boys because he knew that as they continued to multiply, his power was going to be dwindled. And so he uh, made it a rule that all the newborn baby boys needed to be killed. So what a time to be alive. Like what a time to get born in that time right there. Like we think it's tough, like we got that at least going for us. And so uh, during this time, the, the Hebrew midwife saved him and knew that there was something special and his parents hid him for three months. And they sent him down uh, the river, as scriptures say, and he was found in Pharaoh's, or Pharaoh's daughter found him and, and raised him up as her own. And, and he lived really in royalty for 40 years of his life. And one day, Moses was just walking out to go see the Hebrew men doing, doing their hard labor. And he noticed an Egyptian man and a Hebrew man fighting. And so he hopped in on the scene. And this is probably isn't the first time he ever saw them fighting, but this is something was changing in his heart at this moment. And, and he saw them fighting and he stepped in and I've got a creative imagination. So I think he, he showed up with some like Jet Li kick, like karate chop, killed the dude. That's a start. Buries him in the sand and then just walks out. So that guy wasn't walking like an Egyptian anymore. Like it was done. Okay, he was out. And, and, and the next day he comes back, he sees two Hebrew guys uh, fighting and arguing and he steps in like, hey, like, why are you fighting? Like, you're, you're brothers, you're, don't fight each other. And, and they rejected him. They told him, who are you to judge who we are? Like, they just rejected him as a Hebrew man and they realized that Pharaoh had found out that just the day before he killed the Egyptian and so Pharaoh wanted him dead again for the second time in his life. And so he fled, he left this place called Midian where he met his wife uh, when he was at the well and, and they got married and he had a child named Gershom, which is important because this entire time, Moses is really a foreigner. 
he's a foreigner in Egypt in Egypt because he he's not really he was born there, but he's not Egyptian. And and then he fled to Midian, and he's not really Midian either. He just kind of went there. And he had this child, and the child's name really literally means alien to a foreign land. And so not only did he have this miracle of a baby boy, but he was holding on to his past of what he held in inside because he was having this identity crisis. And so he lived there for 40 years, and we're gonna pick it up in Exodus chapter three, verse one. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And in some translation, will say the mountain of Horeb. Theologians would say that that's the same area. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And that's because it was fueled by the, by the Lord. It wasn't fueled by what we fuel ourselves with. It was fueled by something greater. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And in verse four, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm walking in the wilderness and I see this bush on fire, I'll probably go take a look. Like, I'm pretty curious, kid. I'll go see what that's about. That bush starts talking to me. I'm not saying here I am, because there I was. I am out the door. That is not happening that day. But, but I want to bring us to this, this point that in verse 4, God says, Moses, Moses. He, now, he's got the exclamation point there because there's a sense of urgency, but he's not yelling. Like, and I shouldn't say this because my mom's in the room, but she said some other things when she wanted me to get closer to her. Like, she's, get your butt over here kind of thing. Like, like God's, he's being a little gentle with this, although he's being urgent. And, and I think that's so powerful because God is, is a gentle God. God will continue to knock. And I believe that some of you walked in this, this room today and if you're in the lobby, you walked in and you, God has been, been knocking at your door just gently, just with a sense of urgency because he, he, he wants you to be closer to him, but he's not like wringing your neck, dragging you across the thing, getting ready to throw you in detention. Like he is a gentle God as well. And so that's where we are gonna pick up uh, more into the story that he, he's been praying that, that this happens. And so curiosity gets Moses to this encounter at the burning bush with God. That's what, that's what led him there. He was just curious at the bush, and so he just walked over there. And so at that point, as we're running this race, and we use this example of running around a track. So picture your high school track. And, and we're, we're about to, to begin the race. And, and from the stands, we see Moses coming down amongst all the noise, and he's coming down to encourage us. And Moses lived quite a long life. And so, I mean, he's 80 years old at this point, but I mean, he lived quite a long, he's got a lot to say. Needless, I mean, we have grandparents that are younger than that, and they've got a lot to say. And so he's got a lot to say as well, but I think he would tell us three things. I think he would encourage us three things. And the very first thing that he would encourage us with, we're going wrong this race, this race is start where you are. Start where you are. That's the first point. Like you can't start, you can't finish what you've never started. You, you have to begin. And so in this encounter where they're talking about the scripture where he was having this encounter with God over this period of time, they're, they're going back and forth and, and 
God reveals to him that, hey, you need to go back to Egypt. You need to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And if you were in vacation Bible school, come on, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Yeah, exactly. So he's doing the exact same thing. So he's like, hey, 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 go back there. Let my people go. And, and Moses has got to be thinking like, God, I know you're, you're God, but do you remember that 40 years ago, I gently kicked the dude and he's like, they, my wanted poster is still up at the Starbucks. Like they know who I am. They're going to kill me the minute I get back. But he's asking this question in Exodus chapter 3 verse 11, it says, Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? You see, he's, he's still having this bit of an identity crisis. And in verse 12, it says, God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain, at that very spot, the place of the encounter, but you see, he's asking this identity question in verse 11 that I've asked my, myself. Like, like, who am I to, to be able to do some of the things that I do? Like, that's, that's crazy. And, and it's not just a physical question, but it's a spiritual question, because he doesn't know where he's at spiritually as well. But he's asked this question, who am I? Who am I? Now, parents in the room, if your kid asks you the same question twice, <laughs> you do not like that at all. So kids, don't ask the same question twice. But in verse 12, God says something that I think he's gonna tell you guys today. He says, I will be with you. You see, Moses was holding on to the past of, well, I'm a murderer. I, I, I failed all these different, I'm, I'm, I'm adopted. Like, I'm not even, my, my parents, like, they sent me down the river. Like, who, who am I to do those things? And God is telling Moses, and he's telling us today as well, that I will be with you, that no matter what happened in your past, no matter what happened this morning for the reason why you couldn't come to the first service, like it doesn't matter, he will be with you. And so when we know who's with us, it, makes, it gives us the confidence to take that next step, to start where we are. And we focus so much on our past. And, and, and Moses in this time is focusing on, on his hurts, He's, he's focusing on, on his wounds, the things that, that he did. And, and just a few years ago, six years ago now, which is crazy, I, I hurt my shoulder and I had to get surgery and, and it was a great doctor and everything. And uh, the first like two inches or so of my, my scar, my, my wound, the, my body rejected the stitches. And so it was kind of an open wound. It kind of sounds gruesome. It really wasn't that bad, but you know, my mom was, didn't like it. But anyway, so... That's a wound, but eventually over time, it healed, it turned into a scar. And I think Moses in this moment, and we can identify this as well, is that we're, we're looking at things that are wounds still when they're actually scars. You see, wounds are a current hurt, but scars are a sign that things have been healed. And if we focus, like Moses was focusing on this moment, Moses is focusing that, that he still has these wounds, but, but God is trying to reveal to him, it doesn't matter, like those are scars. Stop looking at them as wounds. If I looked at my shoulder as a wound still, I'd be walking around like this all the time. I'd be limiting my mobility. I'd be limiting the things that I could do because I've got this, this wound, although it's a scar. And so we need to, to switch our mindset and say, you know what, what's happened in the past doesn't matter anymore because God is with us. God has made that a scar. It's cool to have that memory, but the wound is healed. Like let that go. And so 
Moses would encourage us just to get started. And the second thing that he would encourage us to do is we're, we're, we're coming around this turn in this race. Point two is to use what we've got. Use what we've got. Now, what does that mean? So they're, they're having this conversation back and forth and, and Moses still isn't really sure. He, he asked the question, who am I? He asked that question twice. He asked, well, who are you? you you've kind of, you said, I'll be with you. Okay, great. Well, well, who are you even? And then he asked this, this question to God that if you're a believer in Jesus, you, you've probably asked this question before too when you're sharing your faith with someone. And that is in, in verse one, it says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? And the Lord asked him, what's in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw the staff down and it turned into a snake. That would freak me out. But Moses jumped back. I hate snakes. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. And real quick pause. I don't handle animals really like at all, but I've seen a couple of TV shows. If there's a dog you need to get, you don't grab it by its tail, right? I mean, you grab it by what? The neck or like near the neckish area? Why? Because that's where you're gonna be able to have the control. God's telling him to grab the tail, which is like the kind of riskier part for a snake to grab. But I believe God's also revealing to him in this moment that if you grab a hold of the smallest piece, which is the tail, I'm gonna take care of the rest. And so grab hold, just listen to me. Don't try to take control into your own hands. Grab the tail and watch what I'm gonna do. So Moses reached down, grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hands. Now, I hope, actually, I really hope that I'm the only person who has a staff this morning. Okay, good, I'm the only one who has a staff, that's good. I'm not gonna turn into a snake, because that would... We would, uh, the message would be done at that point in time. In Jesus' name. But he had a staff for a specific reason because as we learned in the scripture before that, that he was just leading his flock in the wilderness. His, his staff is probably what he used for I mean, at least those 40 years as a shepherd. I mean, he probably, he might even have a staff when he was in Egypt as well. It was something he was very familiar with. It was, it was ordinary to him. And it wasn't like when, when God said, uh, what's in your hand? He wasn't like a staff, but I got a prettier one back home. Pause and went home and got like this antique, super shiny with beads on it. No, he just had the one that was was beaten, the one that was that he's used and it's been worn down. And and the staff signifies a lot of things. Like you can have some power with this. You can can lead your your flock. So if I'm leading this like first row of people, like I've got. I'll just hold like this. I've got, my arms can only go so far. So if I'm like, okay, come on. If you can imagine like, you know, however many flock he might have, hundreds, you never know, like how many he had. Like you can only do so much with your hands, but you got this thing. Like I can almost reach him in the front row and I can, I can herd a bunch of people with that. I can, I can lead them out. But also the staff was used to, to fight away some things that were trying to attack what he was leading. But I think this is really interesting that, that, he had this ability to lead things because that, all of that was a training ground and foreshadowing to what he was going to do from when God revealed his calling on his life, which was to free the people from Israel. He needed the staff. He needed the staff to, to lead his flock, but he also needed the staff to lead his people because this signifies some power when you're leading someone. But I think in verse three, it's really interesting. God, 
It says throw it down on the ground. And so it's cool to have the staff. It's cool to, to do the things that you can do with it. And I can't imagine that Moses just like randomly would start throwing the staff on the ground like on a normal Tuesday. Like he probably didn't do that very often. But see, this is an action step. It wasn't like, what's in your hand? Okay, great, I'm gonna turn that into a snake. No big deal, you don't have to worry about it. No, no, he's telling him, throw it on the ground. He's showing him a glimpse of what he was going to be using him for in the future. But he's also telling Moses that, hey, what you've got is important for the fact that I can do great things through it. See, Moses thought that this was ordinary, but it's actually very extraordinary when you add God into the equation. And so the question that I have is, what is your staff? Like, like, what is the staff that, that you have? What, do you, you, what have you been holding on to? What are the, the gifts, the talents that you have that might be seem so ordinary to you that if you take some of the action steps that God can start to do some amazing things through it? Like, you might be a great cook and you can make a mean lasagna. That's your staff. You, you might be a business owner and, and you've got you know, 50 to 100 employees and, and you can speak life into them. That, that's your staff. You're a great athlete and you're in a locker room and, and you're able to impact some of those people or, or, or in the public place, you're able to do that. That's your staff. And, and God wants us to throw the staff down, which is signifying multiple things. One You've got something, but if you give it up to me, I'm going to produce a blessing through that and I can free people through that. But also, it's letting us get away from control and letting God take control of the things that we use, the things that we think are just so ordinary. And although you might not know anybody in Egypt, I don't know anybody in Egypt, and so you're like, well, that's fantastic. Like, I can, I have a business. What does that mean? I'm not gonna free somebody from Egypt. Well, Egypt at this time was a point in slavery. Their people were enslaved and it was a hard time. And so we've got some people who are in Egypt here. They're enslaved to some things. They're enslaved to addictions. They're enslaved to, to regret of some of their past mistakes. They're enslaved to, to uh, poor stewardship of their finances or, or just anger. And they're, just, they're so angry all the time. And God is telling you that if you throw down your staff, if you throw down your words of wisdom to that person, if you're just there to listen to them, I can help free them. You don't have to do it. You just need to use what you've got. And the third thing that Moses would tell us as we're, we're wrapping up this race, we're coming, coming around the backstretch to, to stay, start where we are, to use what we've got. And the third thing is to do what we can. Do what we can. So this entire time, Moses is asking these questions to God. He's like, who am I? Who are you? I'm not very good at speaking God, so it's gotta be like, you got the wrong guy, sorry. And he asked this question that I've asked, and I'd be willing to bet that most of you have asked as well. And in verse 13, it says, but Moses pleaded again, Lord, please send anyone else. Send somebody else. Like, I can make a mean lasagna, but you know what? Betty across the street, she's a decent cook. Like, She'll probably take care of it. She, I'm an athlete and you know, those guys are goofing off, but you know what? Somebody else can talk to them. It's no big deal. You know, I'm the boss and these are my employees, but they don't really need me to say anything to them. They've got their friends in their life. Send somebody else to go and do it. And if you've asked that question in those moments and, and I just wanna let you know, like you're in great company because I've asked that question. Moses has asked that question. But in Matthew chapter 26, 
In the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus is getting ready to be crucified on the cross, he walks away from his disciples and he gets down on a knee and he says, Lord, please let this cup pass, get past me. Like, let somebody else take this. I don't want this suffering anymore. But he says something so important in the next line that he didn't stop there. If you read further, he says, yet not my will, but your will be done. And I think when we ask that question of send somebody else, we're, that's, that's my will. That's, that's your will as an individual, but that's not his will. His will is you. I've called you to do that, not somebody else to do that. And we need to seem to do what we can. And in verse 14, after he asked that question, the Lord became angry with Moses. He says, all right, comma. Now, parents, when you say, when your kids ask you all these questions, and you're like, all right, like that is an, that is an all right, but it ain't right. It's going down. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Quick time out. What was Aaron doing walking in the wilderness? He didn't have any sheep or flock with him. Like, he just happened to be walking on by during this conversation. Like, what is that? The Bible's funny, man. You guys should, should dive into some of those things. It's great. You see, Moses was trying to dictate all of this stuff, and, and God is he's asking this question, like, you know, who is, who, why can't you send somebody else? And, and he's like, okay, great, I'll use Aaron, but I'm gonna use Aaron to help you. And so as we, we go further, see, God wasn't like, okay, great, oh yeah, you know what, there's Aaron, you know, got the wrong guy, my bad, Moses, you're good, just keep wandering, it's no big deal, I'm gonna have Aaron go free those people. No, 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 the calling was still on Moses' life, he was using Aaron to, to talk better, to lead and to speak, but it was Moses' job to lead the people out of Israel. And that was the very first thing that God told him. He said, I need you to go back there and let my people go, lead my people out of Egypt. He says, that's interesting. He didn't say, go tell the people. So he already wasn't telling him that he needed to speak. This was just an excuse that, that Moses was throwing out there as like a last hurrah. God just wanted him to go. But my question to you this morning is, who is your Aaron? Who's already in your life that God has put in your life that he can use to speak into your life or to help you along that process, not to answer your call, but to help you along the way? And the rest of the scripture, if we were to look at it, but they, they go and, and after numerous times going to Pharaoh, they finally get the people to go and they go and bam, part the Red Sea, walk on, fantastic, walk right through Aaron happened to be with him through that entire time. But there's a lot of times in the Bible, if you look, the people that God has put into other people's lives and they might be there the entire time. And we need to receive the fact that God has put people into our life, but we also need to be understanding that God might put somebody into your life for a moment. He might put somebody into your life for just, just one interaction to just free you from that thought to say, you know what, I can do this. I can go up and do that. We just need to get started. We need to use what we have and we need to do what we can. And, and when Moses did all of those things, like he, he had this reliance and this great faith that if you read in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about great faith of Moses that, that did not fear Pharaoh, that did not fear all these people that he led further. And then Friday night as I 
was, was just studying and, and reading through this, I realized something that related to me so hard is that this entire time, if you look at all those questions of who am I and, and who are you and, and what if they don't listen to me and I'm not very good at speaking, you see, Moses was looking at step 500, but God wanted him to take step one. But he's like, well, what if they don't believe me? Well, I don't know, I, I just need you to go. I will be with you, I'm gonna take care of the rest. And I read through this and you know, Moses was born and for three months he was hid because he wasn't an ordinary child and he grew up, he had intimate knowledge of Pharaoh and royalty, he killed an Egyptian, he wandered in complacency for 40 years and I believe during that time he knew about God he, he knew who he was or else why would he be listening to this burning bush? Like there was some kind of divine action going on there. But it wasn't until he had this burning bush moment, this burning bush encounter with God that he really took that step closer to understand. It's one thing to know I know about God, like I'm good. No, 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 he took that step closer. And when God is revealing to him his call on his life at that moment, you, you can notice that he says, I need you to go back to Egypt because Moses started there. It was where Moses began his life. He wanted him to go back to Egypt where everything began for him to answer his call, but then to bring people to that very spot on the mountain. Bring people back to the encounter that you had with me. And and I think about this and just Friday night, Two years ago at this time, I was just engaged to my wife who was just up here a few minutes ago. And we were, we're planning, we're asking these questions back and forth, like, okay, cool, like, where, what bank are we gonna use? You know, the boring questions you ask, where do you wanna get married? Okay, great, we're gonna do it here. But then the question that was asked that, and if anyone's going through an engagement process right now, I would just say, sign the paperwork and get it done. Like, it's easier, on the, it's better on the other side, right? I mean, it's, it's just way better on the other side, but... We're asking this question of like, well, where are we gonna go? Where are we going to, to live? And so we found this place in, in Mill Creek right here and, and we, we, that's where we started our marriage off with. And that entire time though, we knew that at the time I was working in investment banking and, and she was working in banking as well and that our goal, our plan was, hey, we're, we're, we're moving to Florida. We're out. Like we're gonna get our investment license and, and I had an opportunity down there to be a financial planner and it was just like, the things that we were praying for were, were starting to open up. And, and just last year, really at this time still, like if you talk to me, everything was cool, but like in my mind I knew in just a few months, like we're out, like we're, we're gone. That's where we believe we wanted to go and, and, and that was our will. Not his will, it was our will. And, and I remember specifically just, we were praying, you know, as we did, like so many times just about it, about these different opportunities and about, you know, the, the job interviews that we had and, and, and looking at the condos and, and what we were going to do. Like we were so close to this moment and God revealed to me that we needed to stay. That, that our start where we are really meant start where you are. Like in this place, in this step. That your, your step wasn't necessarily a physical step, it was a faith step that you needed to take so your physical step could be guided because he was going to be with you. And so God revealed to us that we needed to stay. And so then we asked the question, what are we gonna do? Like, are we still gonna work at the bank? Like, I don't really wanna work there. Like, I like the investment side. That's what I wanted to do. And, 
and, and, and through conversations. And I remember calling Pastor Colby and, and, and sitting down and talking with him and, and just saying like, hey, you know what? Like we believe like, and feel that we're meant to stay. And it wasn't like, oh, great. Well, you're gonna stay, so now you can work here and that's fantastic. Like, no, it was great. What else? Like, what else is God revealing to you in that moment? And we really just, just dove in and said, okay, what, what is that we need to do? And, and through conversations and opportunities, like we were able to, to join here on staff and it has been an absolute blessing. But I look back at that, that this is all coming back through, just like Moses, that, that we were trying to wander away. We were trying to, to go away and just see what other things were about, but God was calling us right back to where it began because just a few years ago in December, like I said, was my first time walking into this burning bush type of moment. See, I knew who God was years ago, just like Moses probably knew who God was. But it wasn't until I had this encounter at Harding Elementary School that I really understood who he was. That's where I got to get closer and I heard him just calling my name, like, you need to stay here. And, and, and through that time, it's just, just the growing back. And I look back and just like Moses, who was tending his sheep all this time, like that was a training ground for him. And everything over the last few years has been training ground for him and for me. And I just, I relate to that so much and think back, like if I would have continued, if we would have continued to wander off, like what would have happened? And I wouldn't be standing here today I wouldn't know most of the people in this room that I know and, and just those interactions. And I'm just so thankful when I look back and say, that's where it all began. It's because I started where I was. I, I did, I used what I had. And I did what I could and with reliance on God that his faithfulness prevailed and is continuously prevailing. And I know that it's not done and it's not done for you as well. He's going to continue to move those mountains. And so as Moses is going back up to the stands, he's just repeating everything he says. He says, start where you are. And I don't know where starting where you are means to you. Use what you've got. I don't know what using what you've got means to you, but do what you can with what you've got, with where you are. And God, just, just believe that God is going to move into your life. So we're gonna wrap up, why don't we pray? And just some of you, you know where you are in this step. You know that, that God has revealed to you that there's some, some things you need to work on. And maybe you've had this encounter before and, and you've just been, been tuning out the voice of him just calling your name. Or he's, he's put you in these opportunities and you're just like Moses, send somebody else. I just wanna pray for everyone in this room. God, we are so thankful for the guidance that you give us in our life, God, and the motivation that we can get from a giant like Moses. God, I pray that you reveal to us in a new way what we can do with the calling that you've put on each of our lives, God. Allow us to be vessels of your message, and, and I pray that we just, we point everybody back to you in your name alone, God. I pray that you start something new in our lives today, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And as your guys' heads are down and all eyes closed, some of you, you're thinking, I don't have this encounter with God. I don't have this relationship to ask him these questions. I, I know who he is, but I don't understand who he is. And the Bible says that if we believe it in our whole heart that, 
that Jesus died for us, that God sent him, he died for us after living this perfect, sinless life, that he shed his blood for us, that if we believe that and he was resurrected from the dead, that, that we can earn the free gift of salvation. And some of you have not done that. And if you've not done that, I wanna lead you in a prayer. You can just go slip your hand up. I just wanna see who I'm praying with this morning. Thank God for you. In the middle, hands up in this room. Thank God for you. You can put those down. You can pray something as simple as this. It doesn't matter the exact wordage. It just matters that you believe in your heart. Say, Jesus, today, I surrender my life to you. I know that you have lived this perfect life, that you've, you've died for me, that you shed your blood for me and my sins, and that you were raised to new life for me. And I repent of my sins from this moment forward. I believe I'm a new creation and a new creation in you. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.